What's up, everyone? This is Clark. And Bobby Jean. Welcome to the Wake Before the Day podcast. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in on this Friday. Happy Friday. You Happy made Friday. it. Get the weekend coming up. <laughs> we are here in Luke chapter 20, and we're going to talk about just this theme that is kind of all over. Uh, Luke chapter 20, the theme of authority and um, kind of this picture that we get from a parable, the parable of the tenants. And then as we kind of walk toward the resurrection, we start to get to know Jesus a little bit more as savior of the world. And so today we're going to talk about the theme of authority in Luke chapter 20. Yep. And if you notice in the other gospels, there are many times, almost always the religious leaders will come up to Jesus and they'll say, hey, by what kind of authority are you doing these things? Right. <laughs> or who gave you this authority to heal on a Sabbath? Or who mm-hmm. gave you this authority to talk like that? And it really upset them, and they were always asking. And so this is just one of the other examples in Luke 20 of them asking you know, this question, whose authority are you doing these things? Mm-hmm. And so in this time, a normal answer, uh, a Pharisee would say to a Pharisee or a religious leader to another religious leader, well, uh, by whose authority you ask? Let me talk to you about my degrees. Right. I went to this school. I studied this long. I have this many Bible verses memorized. Mm-hmm. Here's mm-hmm. the rabbi or the teacher that I studied under. The Jews have this thing called the Mishnah, which is a commentary on how to interpret the Old Testament law. It's mm-hmm. one of those examples where the Jewish people made laws to keep the laws. So there's you know, Lots hun- of laws. hundreds of laws yeah. to keep the Ten Commandments. <laughs> And one of the things they created was that if you act out under a wrong authority or you misrepresent someone's authority, then they have the right to put you to death, mm. which I think is why they keep on asking right. and asking and asking. Him. So mm. the reality is we have the same battle the Pharisees do in right. terms of authority. We all rebel against authority. Right. We reject authority. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, Bobby and I were just talking right now. We could think of a ton of examples in our life where we don't want to submit to authority right things that are good for you you know like it's good for you to eat fruits and vegetables like that's kind of this authority maybe that people have given us but that that if we submit to it our bodies work better it's the same thing with a curfew if you're you know in high school or college and actually going to bed before I think we would play games and stuff to like 3 a.m and you think what in the world um speed limits even even the how um, a parent's relationship to their child too, and how it's out of a loving relationship, um, actually, that we exercise authority so that they're not hurting themselves, so, so that they're not doing silly things. And so it's interesting because really, um, we've talked about this problem a little bit before, and it, it, this comes up all the time all over the Bible, and it's really been around since the beginning of time. Like we talked about in Genesis chapter 3 to um, the fall, as it's called, yeah. how, I, I mean, really one of the ways you could pose that is we as human beings just, we wanted to have the control. We didn't, we wanted to be God. We didn't want to come under the wing. We didn't want to come under the authority of God. And so we, this problem still, um, this still ravages our hearts today. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I really appreciate Paul has this line in second Corinthians five. He talks about how Jesus Christ died so that we don't have to live for ourselves. And so he's saying, God's good. He died for you so that you don't have to stay in bondage and slavery to to trying to fight for your own way because the reality is we don't know what's best, whether it's an example of eating properly or of a speed limit or of a curfew of children. You know, there's this rebellion against authority, but you see God's heart is good. 
And so there's the first eight chapter, eight verses, it talks about how these people are questioning Jesus' authority. But then he transitions to this parable of the tenants. And to summarize it, there's this owner who does represent God, and he allows his vineyard to be run by these servants and so these tenants. And he sent one of his servants to check on them to see how everything was being run. Well, they killed him because they wanted to run the vineyard the way they wanted to run it. Mm. So he sends a, a second one. And they kill him. So he thinks, surely I'll send my own son who I love. You get the, the reference to Jesus and the father speaking about Jesus at his baptism. This is my son who I mm-hmm. love. Surely I'll send him and they won't hurt him. And sure enough, he sends the son. He gets put to death. And so it talks about how the owner comes back and he's furious because these people have not submitted to the authority of the owner of the vineyard. And Bobby, do you want to read verse 16 for us? Verse 16 talks about God's heart here and how he's not some tyrant that wants to keep everything for himself. Right. So verse 16 says this in the NIV version. He'll come, he will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyards to others. Give the vineyard to others. Mm-hmm. And so in that, you get this picture of God doesn't want to keep everything for himself. He's not selfish. He's not... Uh, all about him. He wants to share the vineyard with others, but these tenants aren't submitting to his authority. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, you know, again, you see the heart of God. And Bobby, you brought up a good question. <laughs> yeah, I think I can probably hear some of you when you're like, okay, great. God wants to give his vineyards to us. But what about the first part of verse 16 when he says, he being the master in the story, he will come and kill those tenants and then give the vineyard to others. And I think I know a lot of times this makes people, even me, it makes me just kind of like scratch my head or kind of swallow, take a deep breath. And um, at the end of the day, I'm so grateful, though, that God comes and he's just and he's holy. And it's just a good thing that God's coming back to set things right, because how things were in this story was not right. And so God's coming back um, in in his holy justice um, to make things right and to make sure that we can share the vineyard. Mm -hmm. He's going to share the vineyard with others. And so another helpful resource that Clark and I found just in talking about authority and the authority of God and how can we kind of wrap our minds around that a little bit more is actually from a blog, I think, that Clark, that you found. Yeah, there's a really helpful speaker and author. Her name's Elisa, I think Childers, Childers. Elisa, she's awesome. She's helpful. I really appreciate you reading what she's talking about. But but she also says the same thing, that we have a, a major problem with authority. And so in it, she had this article that was entitled, I think, Eight Things Jesus Said About Scripture. And it's part one and part two. Yeah, Eight Things Jesus Believed About Scripture, part one and part two. And in the first part, she has a section on authority. And she says everything goes back to what that... Silver-tongued serpent spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. Did God really say? Mm -hmm. And for Christians today, there are many Christians out there that think, yeah, I believe that the Bible's authoritative, but it's 2020. And we can redefine things, and we have to make things more modern. And some of the scientific evidence we have today, they didn't have back then, so therefore we can change our theology a little bit, or we can redefine some of these things. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate about what she says, and she quotes this man named Andrew Wilson as he talks about authority. And this is what he says. Andrew Wilson has this quote that says, Consider the way Jesus fights. He has the resources of heaven available, yet he fights by using the authority of scriptures. His position is unequivocal. 
You're trying to tempt me. This is Jesus talking to Satan in the desert. But the scriptures have spoken. That's the end of the conversation. So, because sometimes we um, try to discredit the Bible and we'll say, you know, I, you know, I don't know about all the stuff that's written down in this book, but I, I know about the person of Jesus. And so he's a good guy. But then when you look at the person of Jesus, even he is submitting himself to the Old Testament scriptures. He is using the power that's in them. He's reciting them. He's living his life unto the glory of the God of the Old Testament that that is the God of the Bible that we have now. Mm-hmm. And so you really can't separate those two. You can't say, oh, I, yeah, I, I want to follow Jesus and, and, and I'll devote my life to that guy. And then I'm just going to kind of hang on to this Bible and I'll reference it every now and then. No, it, it's they're one and the same because yeah, Jesus used the Bible too. That's right. It's crucial to look at how he handled the word of God. And you see Jesus referenced the sign of Jonah, Jesus uh, quoting Isaiah, Jesus going back to creation, the Psalms, Jesus quoting the, the Psalms a yeah. ton. Mm-hmm. And so he's, we'll just call a spade a spade. There are passages that are really hard to understand. There are passages that make us uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Jesus held the scriptures in high authority and he applied them to his life and he expects us to do the same. Yeah. And so when they say, by what authority are you doing this, Jesus? When we read that in light of scripture, we know that um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And he holds the word of God in high authority and applies it. So the reality is we don't have the right to redefine things. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so the question we would end with is yeah. what kind of authority does Jesus have in your life? Yeah. Because we're battling the same battle the Pharisees, Adam and Eve did. We don't want authority. But what does it look like for Jesus to have full authority in your life? Yeah, um, maybe rephrase it a little bit as I was even just praying through that. Um, a, a line that kind of came to me is, I think that I can submit, that I can trust Jesus and his way is best. Um, because I've seen what he's done for me. I've read the story, like we're going to get to in the end of Luke, about him going to the cross, about him dying for my sins, for me. This wasn't just the people that were there, um, because I get to step into eternity too. And so I know that he died for me, and so I can submit uh, my life to him. Mm -hmm. And so what does that look like? What kind of authority does Jesus have over my life, over your life? Um, What kind of authority does the Bible hold in my life? Um, I would dare to say that, a book that you maybe read once every six months, you know, I don't know how much authority that has if you're not going to utilize it. So um, love you guys. A uh, hard word to accept for me too. I'm chewing on it. And um, yeah. yeah, I would love to hear any responses that you have through social media or, or any way. That's right. We'll wrap up with Luke 23 on Monday. And then after Luke, we're going to be looking at Acts. Okay. So God bless you guys. God bless you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his countenance towards you and give you his peace. Have a great day.